to Multilingual Montessori, a podcast where we discuss multilingualism, multiculturalism, and raising children from a Montessori perspective. I'm Gabrielle Katkov, an AMI Montessori guide and TESOL instructor, and I'm the founder of the Multilingual Montessori website and Instagram account. Today I'm speaking with Maria Laura Rivadanera, one of my most multilingual friends. She grew up in Quito, Ecuador, where she spoke Spanish at home, English at school, and studied French outside of school. She went to college in the U.S. with me, where she also studied Italian and Ancient Greek, and studied abroad in Italy and France. After graduation, she moved to Paris for a master's degree, where she has lived ever since, and just became a French citizen a year ago. In this conversation, we chat about language and identity, as well as navigating an academic life, a professional life, and a social life in multiple languages. We recorded this conversation in person in France. I hope you enjoy it. Here's my conversation with Maria Laura. Welcome to the Multilingual Montessori Podcast. You are my most multilingual friend. So I'm very excited to speak with you today. Thank you. I'm excited to be on your podcast. So to start, tell me about your language experiences growing up. What languages did you hear spoken around you? What languages did you learn in school and when? Um, So I grew up in Ecuador and um, my first or mother tongue is Spanish so that is the language that I heard around me that I spoke with my family and the the language I most heard when I was little but in school I started learning English pretty early on um, probably since preschool I was learning English and uh, my education in school was mainly in English Um, the God would have all different subjects in English and then have a Spanish language class. Uh, but still, around outside school, Spanish was the main language. And um, when I was little, we would watch movies, uh, especially Disney movies in Spanish because um, they were translated in the cinema. But afterwards, songs and music and movies were mostly in English um, just because that's how popular culture is. And I also started learning French pretty early on when I was uh, six or seven, probably six, because I remember that I was still learning how to write while I was learning French. Um, And I started in the Alliance Francaise in Quito, and they would have children's courses, but they didn't have enough kids to enroll each year so I would have to take I did for example like level one and two and then level three did not open up so I would have to take level two again but my mom who inspired me to um, learn languages because she had studied linguistics in college and she was at the beginning of her career an interpreter and translator Um, She rather I stayed in the Alliance Francaise, even if it meant me repeating classes that I had already taken. So I did that pretty much throughout my entire primary and middle school, um, taking French classes after school and the Alliance Francaise and learning in English in school. Did you have any friends that you didn't speak in Spanish to, that you spoke in English or French to? No. 
I think most maybe um, we had a couple of exchange students come every now and then, but um, no, most of my friends I spoke in Spanish too. Mm. And so, um, whose idea was it to start the French classes, and was it mostly you wanting to continue them, or? Was it your mother encouraging you? And then the more you did it, the more you were interested. Do you remember anything about that? Um, I remember it was definitely my mom's idea because I don't think at that age I would have thought about learning French. Um, but these classes for children opened up and at the time I was taking ballet classes. But I had a really mean ballet teacher and I was not enjoying myself in those classes. So my mom suggested like, why not try out the French classes? And I think I had always admired her for speaking. Um, she spoke French and Italian uh, and Spanish and English. And I had admired her for it. So I think that I wanted to emulate her in a way. But I also enjoyed the classes very much. Um, it was a, a lot of learning happened in the classes besides the, the, the French language. Like I got a lot of education out of the French classes. Mm. How old were you when you traveled out of Ecuador for the first time? Probably pretty young. We used to travel to um, to Florida to go to Disney World. When I, I, I was pretty young when we first traveled, but I didn't go to Europe until I was in college. Mm. Tell me a little more about your mother's career and how that inspired you or what you remember about her speaking in or using other languages when you were little. Okay, so my mom, when she, she studied in university to be um, an interpreter and a translator, and she had a lot of books in the house that were in different languages, and she would always tell stories and maybe even... Um, read me some things in French or tell me uh, tongue twisters in other languages. But actually, when I started going to school, she became a teacher at the school to be able to have a teacher's um, schedule and uh, to facilitate that um, as being a mother for me and my brother at the time. She was an English teacher when she first started in school, so I always knew that she was good at languages, but she, I, I never really knew her as uh, an interpreter or translator. So tell me about the decision to go to college in the U.S. and what your level of comfort was with English when you started college, both academically and socially. So I think that I was very ready to go to college in the U.S. I had been a little bit prepared for that or preparing for that the uh, last few years of high school. Uh, several kids from my high school went to college in the U.S. or Canada. And uh, we had SAT classes and I did the International Baccalaureate also in English. And since most of my classes were in English, I felt pretty confident about my English level. Like that was not necessarily um, an issue about going to college in the United States. I do remember that I, I felt when, when I first had my first class, um, English class in college, we had a writing, a um, compulsory writing course our freshman year. Uh, the professor said to me and another foreign student is like, do you want uh, help as a you know, speaker in a second language? 
And I remember thinking like I hadn't really thought about that, but maybe now that I am in a class with native speakers, my English is not not necessarily up to the same level or as perfect as you know I thought it was in comparison to my other non-native speaker classmates in high school. Mm, that's interesting. Do you remember um, any specific instances of like classes that you challenged you or anything that surprised you about um, social situations with like different regional? I mean, even I coming from New York City remember I think I had a strong New York City accent when I started college <laughs> and I think somewhere along the line being surrounded by people from all over the U.S. and all over the world I somehow lost my accent um, and I remember someone actually like pointing out a word that I said with a very New York strong New York City accent so even that was like a, even a shock for me in some ways like do you remember anything socially that was linguistically surprising or challenging um I'm trying to remember I think that a lot of my friends especially the first few years were international students who came from different places and it was interesting to me maybe also ignorant on my part but to know that a lot of um not for a lot but for several English was their first language even if they had different accents or strong accents at the time um so that that was interesting to me also that it wasn't just the American students whose first language was English but also my friends from India or from some parts in Africa who of course first language was English as well yeah um so what languages did you decide to study in college and why multiple languages um so I decided to continue my studies in French um to keep that up and they had a very interesting uh, literature classes that moved further away from the language classes I had been taking at the Alliance Francaise. And I decided to study ancient Greek, and that is also something I have to credit my mom for because she was very into um, Greek mythology and stories, and she used that as a device um, in her classes, in her, the classes she taught in high school. So we had some books about that, and I had gotten very into that. Um, and actually, you might not know this, but when I was in uh, middle school, I went into a program, a university program at the University of Maryland. Uh, no, it was Saint, yeah, it was in Maryland, but it was Saint Mary's College, and I took ancient Greek classes back then. Um, so I, I, I was, I loved that, and it was. I, I've always loved language as a study in itself. Um, but the, the Asian Greek classes were great at first in college, but then I realized that in order for um, you to keep going, you really have to invest your life in the study of Asian Greek. And I think my interest was more about the, um, the mythology and the literature and the language in a certain sense, but not necessarily as deep as you would go past the first year of college. I did do two years of ancient Greek, but in, in parallel, I had friends who had been starting Italian. And one of the reasons that 
got me into studying Italian, it was just because the Italian department seemed so much fun. <laughs> and everybody loved it and talked about it. And um, so I, the second semester of my freshman year, I was able to go into a fast-track Italian class. And it, did, it definitely was much more fun and useful and um, engaging than the ancient Greek department. <laughs> Um, did you find it easy to learn Italian because of Spanish and French? At first, yes, definitely. I got all the vocabulary because I could relate it to French and or Spanish. And um, the, the grammar was pretty much a mix of both. So at first I found it easy and I thought um, I, I would make more progress, but afterwards I was a little stumped because maybe because I was comparing it to the other two languages, I would make mistakes that maybe other people wouldn't. And um, yeah, I think yeah for me the the language I still right now I can understand it very well, but um, the complex grammar gets me usually mm, in Italian. Yeah. I forgot to ask you this before, but did you continue the Alliance Francaise classes through senior year of high school, or did you take French at school at one point? No, I, I don't think I did, just because my workload was uh, much higher at that point. I was also taking SAT classes, and we had to take like after-school classes for the IB, but what I did do was take an extra high school class in the IB in French self-taught. Hmm. So that meant that I had a tutor and that I just had to like read uh, all these books. It was it was actually interesting because the theme of the class was world literature. So I read books in translation in French. And then I would have to read this and write papers and meet with my tutor once every week or so. Hmm. Um, so I, I continued with French, but I guess independently. Of the mm -hmm. Got it. So besides learning the languages, how else did you use languages in college, in your studies or travels or um, other situations? Um, so Italian offered a um, summer program in Siena. And that was also a big part of the hook that got me into the <laughs> Italian department because I had a couple of friends who were doing that and it, it seemed like a very fun summer travel learning Italian trip that's how we met um so that that was great because we definitely learned more Italian in context I think we also did a lot more eating and drinking and having fun than <laughs> studying but it was it was great to you know be actually in Italy and learn Italian um and uh, be able to have that first study abroad experience and for French, I also studied abroad in my junior year. And that was more interesting because in the sense that we would have classes in the actual French university with French students. And it was my first glimpse at the French university system, which is very different from our um, college system in New York. And um, we had... A I made friends with Italians, with French. Sorry, I'm getting <laughs> I made friends with French students, and it was also a way to actually speak French all the time with the people that we were, um, we were seeing and hanging out with. 
it was we did stay a little bit in a bubble within our college group though so uh, I still think that it wasn't as an immersive experience as it could have been Hmm. Um, but you lived with a French family or a French person yes I lived with a French person um with an old woman who was who she was very interesting because she had had a very rich life of travels and uh, she would ask me a lot of questions about Ecuador who that that seemed super exotic to her at the time and she would tell me about her life living in she had lived in Morocco and in um, Saudi Arabia. Mm, interesting. Um, and do you remember any language challenges during that? experience that first experience living in Paris like any um did you feel very fluent at that point or was it still a little bit hard to get into the daily use of French I think not necessarily the daily use of French but certainly the academic French that it was I definitely felt that my French level was not up to par with the French students to um follow classes intensively in French and one language experience that definitely stumped me was that while I was in France, I wanted to continue with my Italian studies. And the class I took was half-half um, Italian cinema class, which was very interesting, and Italian translation. But obviously, because we were in Paris, it was translation to and from French. And that's when my my brain was just, you know, the wires were crossed. And it's like, this is not happening. <laughs> so luckily I was able to drop that half of the class and keep with my Italian cinema class, which I really liked and was able to follow even if it was not perfect, but I was still in the same setting as the French students as a foreign language speaker. So after you graduated from college you moved to Paris and was that always a goal or what led to that decision to move to Paris? It had been a goal since I had uh, done my semester abroad in Paris. I had loved my experience there and which was just a four months experience and I would have loved to stay longer so I, I really wanted to go back after college. And I had not, not much of a plan of what to do with my life after graduating. So I found this um, master's in art history in Paris that seemed ideal. So I went for that. Um, so what was that like? What was doing a master's completely in French, like both, linguistic, both linguistically and also um, diving into the French university system after being in the American university mm-hmm. system? So this, in comparison to my semester abroad, this was complete immersion. Uh, I remember the first day going into the seminar. We, we had all these like seminar classes. And um, I had my notebook and pen and was ready to take notes. And I saw that all the students were like rapidly typing on their computers. So that was the first thing. I was like, I need to step up my note-taking game. And um, the classes were in rapid French. So I think in my brain, I just thought, you know, I really need to step it up and be able to understand this. Uh, And I had no choice but to go with it and try to be on top of the language team. What was also interesting was that um, we went to a small liberal arts college where professors were very accessible and when there was a lot of exchange with the professors. And here that was not the case. 
um, we did not have a lot of exchange or any exchange for the professors at all. And the first semester was big um, seminar classes. So we didn't really have any feedback or know how we were doing until the final exams. Mm. Wow, that sounds really hard. Um, did you ever take any other French language classes or how did you step it up when you say you, yeah. you had to step it up? How did you do that? Uh, I was required to take a French as a second language class as a foreign student at the of my master's program. But I think for me, it was useful in to hone some grammar. Uh, how, how do I say that? Like to hone some points that I was not as, you know, well-versed in. But other than that, I felt that it was not necessarily up to the level we needed. Like we were taking classes in, you know, very specific French. And these classes felt a little bit like they were not up to that level. Um, I think what did help was that I have I was speaking to other French speakers at the same time and going over the classes and have, having study groups and discussions. And I did feel supported in that sense uh, that I could ask when I didn't understand something. Um, because not only it required knowing a lot of French, but it also required knowing a lot of French history, which I had not had before. Mm. Wow. Um, and what do you remember from your first few months in Paris or first year in Paris um, about using French in social settings and making friends and kind of keeping up with your classmates? Yeah, that, that was interesting also because I feel that um, that definitely contributed to my immersion. Um, most of my friends were French and those who weren't French were, for example, German or Italian. But we were all speaking French together. And um, I, I do remember thinking that I was learning French at two different levels because even with if, if I understood my French friends, I had never had French in a non-academic setting before and I was learning all this um, more verbal language and not necessarily mm. slang but just you know it's like casual casual exactly yeah. casual conversations and I was soaking in expressions that even if I didn't know exactly what they meant I could understand how to use them or how to understand them in context um, so yeah it was it was very interesting to have these two levels of French and I definitely did not understand a lot of expressions at first and it took me a while to feel very comfortable speaking in French conversationally but um, it contributed to, yeah. <laughs> to my <laughs> level of French in both both senses yeah and do you remember anything challenging about writing papers in French and were papers and essays the same as in the U.S. or like was the system different and was that challenging or not really? Yeah, it, it was definitely challenging. Um, we didn't have to write a lot of papers before I got to my last semester of my master's, like the fourth semester, where we had more writing classes and smaller classes and where I had to write um, uh, a master's thesis. Okay, no, scratch that, because I actually did have to write a master's thesis my first year of, mm. of uh, so after the second semester. And it was a big paper. I had been used to writing papers and to doing research in college, 
but this felt very different uh, because it was in French also and I didn't know the expectations that they had and my French had gotten better in the year I had been there but I still think that it wasn't um, it wasn't perfect especially in writing and they had a way of thinking that was much more um, sticking to the guidelines than what I had been taught in college to think about outside the box and to be critical and to bring something new here they guess that at first they wanted to to show that you could do the assignment and stick within the french format of writing essays and um, present things clearly so that was new to me besides the challenge of having it written in you know not not necessarily perfect but good enough french mm. was that graded at all my professor the first year she was more indulgent about it not being in perfect French because she knew that I was a foreign student and it was it was a hard topic it was a little bit technical so um, I, I don't remember her being too hard on me for that but it they were not particularly not grading it or mm. not indulgent and even for the French for, for the French students um, form is very important like it's not just about what you write but how it's written like having papers that are well written and having what they say like une belle plume like a, um it literally means like a beautiful pen so having a literary expression like, even like if, your voice exactly yeah, yeah having good written expression that is important and considered mm. and i do remember in my second year when i did my second year um like the second year's thesis which was longer and much more open-ended than the first year i did take some very critical uh, feedback about my french not being up to par oh that must have been hard. I would have, I would have felt that found that hard to receive. Yeah, it was it was very hard to receive because not only were they much more critical than I had been used to um, in college, and not necessarily in what they said, but in in the way they said it, they did not hesitate to say things like "this is not good." And mm. like, um, no sugarcoating. No sugarcoating, and no like learning from your mistakes. But <laughs> <laughs> But it just like was not what they expected, and um, and to say that you know I I had introduced my paper be like oh, I know that you know the French is not perfect, and they're like oh it's far from perfect. So, you know when you start your thesis presentation with that, it definitely sets the tone. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But you did it. You got your masters. <laughs> I did. I got my masters. I got a good grade. Um. So I'm hoping that that showed beneath all my grammar mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then after that, uh, what do you remember about applying to jobs and your first year working and using French in a professional setting? Um, I remember that I had to, the, the exercise of writing a cover letter was also, it's, it's always been, you know, a difficult exercise for me, and I don't think it's fun for anyone. Right, it's, it's not fun in any language, <laughs> yeah. even your native language, yeah. <laughs> but when I had done it in the States to apply for internships, uh, my experience had been of writing in a way that you have to sell yourself and put yourself forward, and that is not what the French expect. Uh, you have to be much more um, humble in the way that you present yourself. 
and excusing yourself or like bothering the person that you're addressing your letter to. So that was different and that I definitely had to get help from from my French friends and have them look over my cover letter, uh, not just in terms of grammar, but also in terms of style of what, what I was allowed to say or not to say, or the way I was allowed to say things or not. Um, and when I started my job, I definitely had some difficulties with uh, more technical or specific language to the job, but I, you know, I assume that is the case for anyone who's starting in a different or like specific branch, but for me it was like, besides the, the actual terms, it was also the language, like understanding what has, what the words meant. Um, but I think by that point I had been in France for a few years and I felt a little bit more confident. A challenge that I did have, and I think that sometimes I still have it today, is to get through my accent. Even though I think my accent has improved, people can definitely tell I have an accent and that it's like a Spanish accent. And at first when I was working, I felt very uh, frustrated when people would react to what I was saying and commenting on my accent and not on the words that I was saying when I knew that, you know, my French was good enough that, or pretty good if I, you know, can say that, mm -hmm. um, that they could definitely understand what I was saying, but I felt that they always like brought me back to my accent. Mm. Was that in person or over the phone or both? I think it was mostly in person. It didn't happen all the time, but it definitely happened several times. Mm. Yeah. Do you find that people comment a lot on you being a foreigner in Paris? I think when people first meet me, they do because, yeah, one of the first questions they ask is like, oh, like, where is your accent from? And, um, yeah, they, they do definitely want to know, like, what my origins are. That's the word that they use in France. Because in France, a lot of people are um have origins from different places so i think like they don't necessarily assume that you're a foreigner but that you have foreign ancestry or origins and that's what they want to know about mm. and tell me about how you use um your other languages besides french in your professional setting so in my professional setting, I definitely use English every day because we communicate with people um, from different parts of the world. So English is the standard language. And um, I work as a book publisher and a lot of the publishing, the books we publish are also in English. So they've been translated and uh, yeah, it's definitely very useful to have a fluency in English and to be kind of like the reference for English language because I speak English more comfortably than my colleagues. Um, I have a lot of Italian colleagues, so I try to use my Italian every now and then. But since not everybody speaks Italian in my Paris office, then English is the language used to communicate with them. But I try to sneak in some emails in Italian when I can. Do you ever use Spanish? Um, sometimes when we've had projects in Spanish, but it's very rare in comparison to English. But it has been useful because I've had, had to communicate with museums and authors in Spanish. So mm. it has been useful. Do you have any friends in Paris that don't, not that don't speak French, but that you don't speak in French with? 
recently I've made a few friends with whom I speak either in Spanish or in English, but it has been over the last few months, so very recent. Mm. Um, so now that you've been in France for over 10 years, is it 12 years? 11 years. 11 years. Um, so what is your comfort level with the language I imagine very comfortable but what do you are there st still things that you struggle with or situations where you um feel more or less comfortable speaking in French I would say that I'm very comfortable speaking in French and that I don't think about it um when I'm speaking in French I, it comes very naturally to me and uh sometimes I even forget that it's not that I'm not speaking in my native language because I just use it all the time. It's probably the language that I use the most every day. So I'm very comfortable with it, but I'm still, I still struggle or feel a little insecure when I have to um, write um, formal things. Like for example, recently I was applying to jobs and I had to write cover letters in French and I felt insecure and asked people to look over them and oh yeah there were a couple of grammar mistakes here and there but I was reassured in that the like people native speakers also made mistakes and that they were not you know um deal breakers in any way so but I, I think that those situations still make me feel that it's a little bit um out of reach like perfection is still a little bit out of reach and as much as I've been immersed in French culture and lived in France much longer than I lived in the States, I do feel more comfortable in English than I do in French. Hmm. So in your day-to-day -day life, when do you not use French? What situations do you use Spanish or English? English. Yeah. Um, I use English when, well, besides the professional situations that we just talked about, I use English also when I watch TV in English, mostly. I also watch some things in French or Spanish, but mostly in English. I read also mostly in English. I think that's also the language I'm like more comfortable reading in because my education was entirely in English. And also because of a habit, I've started reading more in English, so that's what I've become more used to reading. But I also try to sneak in a few books in French or Spanish every now and then. Um, Spanish, to be honest, I only used to speak to my family in, so that's the language that I use the least on a day-to-day basis. Um, recently, I met some Spanish speakers, so I was excited about that, but it is the language that it's more exclusively reserved to my family. In English, I also used to speak to my friends, like you. Yeah. Um, do you feel like you and the answer might be just completely no do you feel like your spanish is any different from your siblings who live in ecuador and you haven't lived in ecuador since you were 18 um i don't know if it's a different but they do sometimes mock me when i first see them after coming from france because i would make mistakes or like uh, false friends and say the word in French instead of the word in Spanish or have a little bit um, of an accent when I pick up the phone and say hello before you know I know it's them. Uh, so I think in that sense it has been. They also had uh, their education a lot in English so they their language is also sp sparse with English words a lot. Mm. And um, so tell me about like 
different areas or different vocabularies that you have in each language and um and what you well you told me a little bit about what you use each language for but um like where the overlap is and if there is any context in which you would like only feel comfortable speaking in French or only English mm. or only Spanish um I think my technical vocabulary uh, concerning publishing and more specifically printing terms and technical terms, I know much more in French. I've had to learn them in English sometimes too when I'm like translating. And it's interesting because when I communicate with my Italian colleagues, we use the English term so that everybody understands. So it, it, we're all speaking foreign language. So. All on the same page. All on the same page. And sometimes it's <laughs> not very accurate. Exactly. But we're, we understand each other. But that is a, a context in which I definitely feel more comfortable in French. In English, I would say that... Um, I don't know, maybe like talking about literature or writing, I would feel more comfortable in English. And also... Um, I guess like when I'm talking about more popular culture things like books or TV shows, it feels weird to translate certain things. Um, and uh, in Spanish, well, something that I always do in Spanish is count. I always mm. count in my head in Spanish. And even when I'm like counting out loud, sometimes I have to like revert or like make an effort to count another language so I feel like that's the way it's like very steeped in as a native yeah. language um but other than that I don't know if there's another context in which Spanish is what language do you dream in I think it would be a mix of depending on what I'm dreaming of or the situation I've been asked that question a lot and sometimes I don't know because I I guess like while you're dreaming, you're not really aware of what language you're speaking. But sometimes when I do dream of situations that involve context, like either in with my family, which would be more in Spanish, or with friends uh, from college, maybe more in English, or like I unfortunately dream about work a lot, and that <laughs> is <laughs> mostly in French. But I think that it's a mix. Like, same question, like, when people ask me, like, what language do I think in? Maybe that was your mm. next question. But yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's a mix. It's definitely dependent on the context. But sometimes, you know, I would be writing a grocery list. And some things are in French, some in Spanish, some in English, depending mm. on, you know, the first word that comes in my mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, and do you feel like you have a different personality in each language? Like, not completely, but do you feel... A little different when you speak each language or have you just reached such a level of comfort in each language that you're kind of the same I don't know if I would call it a different personality but I definitely despite myself feel Maybe a persona. little bit yeah to feel a little self-conscious like for example I have a friend uh, who is a native Spanish speaker but our group of friends is French and we speak French obviously like when we're in a group but I feel a little bit self-conscious like a little bit more naked when I'm just speaking in Spanish to him um, outside of the group or just one-on-one -on -one. I feel a little different and it has always some people manage to do that more seamlessly but it has always 
been harder for me to switch languages like once I start speaking to somebody in a certain language it feels a little bit unnatural to speak to them in another language like I, I categorize them or like uh, compartmentalize the different languages in my head um, but I try to be less awkward about that <laughs> <laughs> um, so is there anything about your language experiences or language learning or language use that I haven't asked you about um well something interesting that recently happened to me was that i don't know if this is interesting to you but i recently made friends with a girl from spain and it was funny because i felt like while we were both speaking spanish it definitely felt that we were not speaking the same language because her well our accents were obviously different but also we are like vocabulary was not the same and several of the things she said that are i guess like more slang or popular terms for certain things in Spain are not things that I that are words that I know so I had to ask her like what does that meant and I guess like I felt a little self-conscious about saying words that I know might be a little local to South America or Ecuador and feel like oh is she going to understand she was not making the same effort on her side because she was <laughs> using a lot of Spanish regionalisms that I did not understand but it just like goes to show that even like within the same language, it, you know, the difference can be very vast. And maybe you had the same experience in England. Yeah, um, a little bit in England. I but what comes to mind when you said that is the first time that I um, met a person from Scotland, but not from Edinburgh, like mm-hmm. out rural Scotland, I think. <laughs> um, and I was um, maybe fifteen, and I was at this theater festival with mostly British kids, but kids from all over. And there were these young, like 12 or 13 year old girls from Scotland. And I could not understand a single word they said. And I knew they were speaking English. And I was just like, what? <laughs> like What's you need real life subtitles. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And well, like I was telling you, I watched Dairy Girls with subtitles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like even that I need. Um, so my last question for you mm-hmm. is what advice would you give to somebody Okay, two-parter. What advice would you give to an adult who wants to learn another language? Mm -hmm. And what advice would you give to someone who wants to move to another country? Um, An adult who wants to learn another language, I think that my my advice would be to not be afraid to just... um, When you're first learning a language, to first speak it, even if it's not entirely correct or even if you don't feel really secure about that your, your speaking skills but to not be afraid and to you, you learn while you're doing it it's something that definitely like language is alive and you have to use it to learn it and to get better um so don't wait until you feel super comfortable with a language to actually use it in a situation and also or to read books in in that language I know that well I I was younger but I definitely read books when in French where I did not understand a lot but I understand the gist of it and I absorb vocabulary um, passively that way words that you know I in context I understood what they meant so um, yeah not to be afraid of immersion and of using the language Um, and the foreign country moving to a foreign country I, I think my advice would be a little bit the same, like not to be afraid to just um, 
dive in and to feel that you can talk to people in the in a different country and to do the what the locals do and not feel like um to put yourself in the shoes of a local and not necessarily stay feeling as a foreigner because that will create a barrier maybe so and things are different and you know um in france the bureaucracy is harder but you know things are harder because they're different uh, so i think that we all have to remember that you know it's just it's not that necessarily it's harder it's different and it's annoying for everybody and that's how you do it and so not to create barriers out of things that are just different yeah well thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast thank you <laughs> thank you for asking me <laughs> again to Maria Lara for joining me for this conversation and for being so open and sharing all about her life in multiple languages. In addition to being a polyglot, Maria Lara is also an avid reader and you can follow her book journey on Instagram at myparisbookshop. You can follow Multilingual Montessori on Instagram at multilingual.montessori and you can find more resources for raising bilingual and multilingual children from a Montessori perspective at multilingualmontessori.org. Please take a moment to subscribe to the Multilingual Montessori podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave a five-star rating. If you'd like to join the Patreon community to help keep the podcast running, you'll find the link to that in the episode description. Another wonderful way to support the podcast is to share it with someone who you think would enjoy it as well. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. Thank you.